So what's a podcast about this week anyway? I don't care. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now your host, Robert Yanis Jr. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. And this is Kai. And on this episode, we're talking about Black Panther, nothing but Black Panther. And this will be a spoilers discussion. So if you haven't seen the movie, which it sounds like pretty much everyone in the country has seen the movie, um, I, would, uh, I wouldn't listen to this until after you see it. So uh, I think, spoilers, I think we would both recommend you at least check it out. At least uh, give it a shot and then... Uh, come back to this episode once you've seen the movie so you can hear all our spoilerific um, spoilerific analysis, I guess. Plus, do you really want to go back to work after a holiday weekend and tell your coworkers you didn't see Black Panther? That's true. Plus, plus, if you have seen the movie, then when you're driving to work tomorrow, you can listen to this podcast and make your commute a little easier. That's right. There you go. We're always in your, in your ear holes. So, Kai, welcome back to the Crooked Table Podcast. It's been a while. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it has. It's been a long while. I think it wasn't my last one, Wonder Woman, or oh, have God, I been on one more really? recently than that. I don't. I don't even know. Well, I think the the big the big thing here is that now our child is not a hundred percent clingy like she once was, as far as we can have our own life a little bit. Yes. Which is nice. So hopefully we can get you back on here more regularly and uh, maybe even do some crooked commentaries. We've been talking about doing that for a while. I've been threatening to make you watch Scott Pilgrim and. Uh, do a crooked commentary about that would just be me basically it'll be two hours of me going this movie's amazing and you being like i don't really get it yeah what, you what know, i have seen it already i know but not with the comment not, we haven't recorded your thoughts on it no but i wonder if this time around even though i saw it it was six seven years ago so I was it really I, that long ago it was really that oh long you're ago. due then you're due yeah i might still be like what's happening and want to focus on it he's That's... fighting one of the evil exes will probably most be my most common answer when you're asking things one of which who is now in the Marvel Universe. Chris Evans? Yeah. Or Brie Larson. Oh, oh that's right. Okay, yeah. Now, yeah. now there's two. <laughs> or maybe Mary Elizabeth Winstead's in the Cloverfield Universe. But that's not Marvel. I know, but I'm saying she's in a franchise now. So when we talked about Cloverfield last week... Right, but that, that's not I, what we're talking about this week. That's, that's true. Freddie was supposed to be here, but Freddie has fallen under the weather and uh, wasn't able to, to make, uh, make it into his schedule without feeling disgusting, and I heard he's not really even able to speak very well and that's kind of not conducive to a podcast so luckily Kai was still able to not really fill in because I think we were talking about doing the three of us on there and um, I just thought, I think that's an idea that we still want to maybe readdress later in the, on the line maybe Infinity War would be a good time for just, that I was going to say that because that's an epic one and it's bringing everybody together so we could do that for the Cricket Table podcast because you guys are my two regular uh, guest co-hosts so it would be fun to have that be like, oh, we're uniting, we're uniting like the Avengers and the Guardians are meeting. I don't know which of you would be which. Freddie would be Guardians probably, because Freddie loves the Guardians of the Galaxy more than either you or I. Right, and I am an Avengers fan, but yeah. mostly Captain America. Yeah, I know. Well, you love and Thor. And Thor, yeah, yeah. So going into Black Panther, getting to this movie, what um, I guess you know, I everybody listening to this knows that I write a lot about movies and I watch a lot of movies and I read a things a lot of things about movies. Basically, I'm either talking about movies or I'm I'm not talking. I guess sleeping or eating. Uh, so going into this, what was your familiarity with the character of Black Panther um, prior to this movie? Like other than I guess just basically just Civil War, right? Yeah, I was gonna say I'm like if you if you're ex- excluding before Civil War, then 
no. Had you I had you no even did you even had you even heard of the character prior to Civil War? No. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> did I figured. you? I'd heard of the character because they've been trying to make a movie of him forever, and because of that, I've read certain things. Oh, he's the king of Wakanda and vibranium and blah blah blah. You know what? But I didn't Actually, know. Now that I think about it, I read a lot of um, cracked articles, and cracked has sometimes like random, random articles, and it was I think there was like a I remember there being a comic book one like a comic book countdown and it was talking about like what um you know what it wasn't cracked it was money it was money.com article it was say talking about what comic book characters are the richest in the, the comic book oh universe. yeah i remember and, hearing that too and it was like i think like number two yeah. was batman and number one was black panther so tony stark was what number three or something probably interesting because yeah. i think it was either either uh tony stark or bruce wayne or bruce wayne but definitely number one was well, uh, the king of an entire Charlotte. country. And I was like, who's that? Yeah, yeah. So they've been trying to make a Black Panther movie since the 90s, where I, I mentioned this to you recently after we saw the movie, that Wesley Snipes was in talks to play Black Panther back, I don't know, mid-90s, I guess. Obviously, I don't know if it was before Blade or after Blade. Maybe they were trying to get him to play both. I feel like that would have been a little repetitive in a way, just because that's also kind of racist. We have two black heroes. We're going to have the same guy play him because it's only one black actor, right? I'm like, no, no, there's a, whatever. Um, so I'm glad in a way that that didn't happen um, and that they were able to pull him off the way that they the way that they did. So were you a fan of Black Panther's appearance in Civil War? Like, did you like the character? Were you interested in seeing more of him? Were you like, OK, he's fine in this movie, but I don't really want to see him in a standalone because that's how I feel about some of the Avengers. Like, I like Falcon. I like Vision. I like Scarlet Witch. I don't really need to see a movie about any of them, like standalone necessarily. You know, I, I even think that we're at the point where it's been pretty much proven on screen that the Hulk works best as a supporting character in a larger movie, whether it's Thor Ragnarok or one of the Avengers movies, than he does just as his own little Jekyll and Hyde story, because that kind of, it's only so much you can do with that on the big screen. So I guess that was a long question. Did you like <laughs> Black Panther and Civil War? Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, one, I like cats, like big, and big cats are cool. And I like that he just, he was just very agile, like a cat would be, and right. um, more quiet, like he had a quiet... Uh, strength about him and uh, yeah i just thought it was fun and i think that we all he won us all over when he met up with um oh so this, the moment and with hawkeye that we referenced at the beginning of the episode yeah that yes. is like every you know everybody laughs with that scene because it's just it's just funny but it's funny because in that movie he seemed a little bit more hard like hardened pretty much the whole thing because he's on a he's on a mission and well, then of yeah, course he softens yeah. out by the end but then you see him in black panther and he's so much like Compassionate, yeah. Well, because you see, like you as you alluded to in that movie, you meet him for five seconds. He meets Black Widow, and then his father gets killed. Spoilers for Civil War, I guess. Um, and uh, and then his whole point is, I'm going to get this guy who I believe killed my dad, thinking that it was uh, Winter Soldier when in actuality it was Zemo. And um, it's interesting because his sort of path of vengeance kind of mirrors Tony Stark's at the end, where his motivation is to go after Winter Soldier because he killed his parents. So I think that, I thought that was kind of an interesting parallel between the two. And there's some moments in there where uh, you don't obviously see Wakanda until this movie, but where they allude to like his culture and their version of the afterlife. And he's talking. I remember I was talking to you yesterday about this. And he's talking about in my culture, you know, death is not the end. It's more of a stepping off point, and we really get a beautiful payoff of that in this movie. Um, so going into this, I think it's safe to say we were both um, excited to see how they were going to build out that character's presence in the MCU, as well as, uh, you know, I think also excited about the fact that this is 
kind of a cultural milestone and uh, hopefully phenomenon akin to Wonder Woman's last year. Uh, this being, of course, for the black community, whereas Wonder Woman was really kind of uh, in a year that was really earmarked by the Women's March and the rise of modern feminism and and uh, Me Too and all that stuff, having Wonder Woman be one of the most successful movies of the year and overshadowing pretty much every other comic book movie in many ways. I think it, it's it was exciting for us going to Black Panther to have the African-American community have its own version of that, uh, that sort of, I don't know, excitement and fervor, um, right? And fan, yeah, fan response. So, uh, so yeah, so we were excited about this. I actually saw it a few days early and was very mum about my reaction to Kai and Freddie saying, oh, you'll see, we'll see it, then we'll talk about it. So over the weekend, Kai and I went to see it and we took our daughter who... Of course, not really interested in movies that much yet. She's only a year old. And uh, what were what were your I guess overall thoughts slash takeaways for the movie? I like when it ended, and I was like, "What would you think?" And I was like all emotional and stuff. Oh, I I, I liked it a lot. I mean, I think that it did a really a beautiful job in um, you know showing you know the African landscape, but also you know being very technologically advanced and you know showing us a world that we don't we're not really familiar with or that's been stigmatized and right. um and you know i think that chadwick boseman played the black panther role really well you know what they spoke about earlier was just like this quiet strength the quiet presence about him like he you know he didn't have to show off his strength as much as another character because he was strong in himself and um compassionate and that's what made him you know a good leader so I think I, I walked away with good feelings. I, um, I've listened to a few podcasts already, obviously, talking about Black Panther. And uh, I, I came across a term that I guess I wasn't really super familiar with, which is called Afrofuturism, which is basically the fusion of the African culture with like science fiction and slash fantastical elements. And uh, I think that this I think that's part of what makes this movie feel so fresh is that, yeah, they're all, it's pretty much an all black cast. With a few Tolkien white guys, obviously, and I didn't. Of course, I didn't come up with that. Unfortunately, that was pretty funny. Uh, thing meme all over the internet about Martin Freeman and Andy Serkis, but um, it, it 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 creates it creates like the purest vision of that on the big screen of having an all black cast, but then yet everything is really powered by technology. Uh, basically, it's kind of a hidden uh, future world within our own present day society. Essentially, you know. And I think that was, it's, from a world building perspective, they did a really good job of staying true to the African culture from the costume design to the production design to a lot of the, like, the cultural traditions and nuances and things like that. And, uh, but bringing it into this world where we have a a green rage monster and a guy in, like, you know, a a red and gold flight suit and, uh, you know, a super soldier and these gods and all this other stuff where it's taken up to you know, un, un, unrealistic and unbelievable heights, but still feels like grounded in something that would evolve from the Africa that we know. I think that was basically. I basically said a longer way of saying what you just said. Pretty much, you just said it the writer way. I did say it the, the writer uh, way. The W R I T E R right. way. But also the right way too. So incorrect. <laughs> so um, coming out of this movie. I uh, I was excited to see it, as we mentioned, based on Civil War. 
and based on, you know, what it would mean for the MCU and moving it forward, because Marvel's talked about how Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, maybe Hulk, but mostly the big three, their contracts were starting to become up, and they've been basically grooming who would probably be the next iteration of the Avengers with Doctor Strange and Spider-Man and Captain Marvel and Black Panther. And I think if that's the case, I think that this movie establishes Black Panther as probably the fulcrum for the Avengers lineup. In the same way that I told you earlier today, off mic, that Wonder Woman is basically the, like the only character that DC has gotten right. So, I mean, or to that to that extent at least. Some people like Batman and some people like Superman, but their future is more in question. Uh, where it feels like this is easily a way that this is easily a character that they can have be the new leader of the Avengers if should Iron Man and Captain America be out of the picture. And I was excited to see this, but not like expecting it to blow me away the way it did. So I basically came out of this feeling like this is an accomplishment in a lot of ways on the level of something like The Dark Knight, on the level of something like Logan, and even surpassing uh, the Avengers in my mind, which I was not prepared for. Um, just because, you know, I didn't know that much about this character. And I was like, well, the Marvel movies have a tendency to be good, not great. A lot of times there's 18 of them, and I'd say maybe four are like extraordinary. Um if that and um, yeah so I was really floored by this and it, it hit me as a real emotional level because I think a lot of these movies are so um, surface level entertainment spectacle that they don't really have much of a deeper subtext you know yeah well I think that though um, Silver War did somewhat a little bit too I think that they have been getting deeper yeah there's been things going on in our own lives that that these Marvel movies, I think, are really trying to touch upon. And Black Panther, of course, was no different. And, you know, even though I don't experience that in my own life, I did have a lot of empathy for, you know, for what was going on. And, um, you know, and I guess to for one of the spoilers of the character Killmonger, played by Michael B. Jordan, he really, I really think he pulled from his own pers- um, personal experiences because he was very angry as his character. And you believed him. And... He just wanted destruction, and he he pulled it off. It was authentic, and uh, obviously he's not like that in real life. I'd like to think, but you know, and I, I, I was sympathetic to that because this is, I mean, our world is it's kind of U.S. is kind of going in that direction, right? Based so, upon that, and I think the movie is, you know, it's a sci-fi adventure, whatever, but it's also in a lot of ways a commentary on what it means to be black in the world in America. Uh, and that experience, and the fact that um, T'Challa and Killmonger come from the same come from the same world, but have such vastly different life experiences. With Killmonger being raised, you know, in America and, and kind of traveling the world as a soldier, and T'Challa being in this like little basically. And isn't Oakland like privileged the, uh, bubble? Of, isn't the, Oakland of near Compton? Wakanda. Like, isn't Oakland like considered more of the more like? Oakland's low, like the the, the, the sister city to LA. Ridden. Crime ridden city, yeah, in LA, Los Angeles County. Um, yeah, I believe so. I mean, and then, yeah, of course, then you have the polarity yeah. of Black Panther, T'Challa, who's he's born a king with ton, yeah, tons of money around. Yeah, privilege and all yeah. that. And, the, and the, the moral question that the movie posits is that, you know, should, should uh, T'Challa and Wakanda, should they share their technology and, and you know, use, share that with the world? And, uh, you know, T'Challa is more traditional-minded throughout the film, whereas Killmonger's like, no, we should send our technology and our weapons out to 
black people all around the world and have them rise up against our oppressors because our culture, our, our people have been through so much shit. And, and of course, alluding to slavery and, you know, uh, you know, treatment by police officers and like brutality and all that stuff. Um, racism, segregation, you name it. It's been a long, bumpy road for, for black Americans but or African-Americans or Africans, period, really. Blacks everywhere. And I think the movie has sort of a, it's kind of a, it works on an allegorical level in the way that like X-Men does, where it's like, if you look at X-Men as a, as a, as a metaphor for people that are, you know, a different race, people that are gay as Brian Singer is, and, and kind of looked at it that from that perspective. And Professor X is like, no, we should work together to understand each other and, you know, share our knowledge or whatever and, and to, you know, form a bond of coexistence. And then Magneto's like, fuck these people. We're, we're, all people should be gay slash black slash religion, whatever thing, you know? And I think it's, it's, this movie kind of raises similar questions for, you know, black people, should they rise up against, it's like the Malcolm X versus Martin Luther King thing again, all over again. So T'Challa's like, well, let's stay and do our own thing. I don't know if I want to get involved, or if I do want to get involved, it's going to be in a more humanitarian way, which is the way he ultimately ends up at the end of the movie. Spoilers, I guess, like I said, it's not spoilers. And then Killmonger's like, no, fuck these people. We need to rise up, empower black people everywhere, send our weapons out there and wage war basically on a global scale because we can win. And sort of uh, harnessing that power is, you know, to put yourself on top or to be uh, for the greater good and, and to be beneficial. And that's why I think it pissed me off because as you, you mentioned, we've talked about this, that, that all these... <laughs> to use a, a, a term that I don't really like, all these fake news articles about people like trolls or whatever online taking like spreading these false rumors of uh, attacks on white people at Black Panther screenings, and that's why when you brought that up to me, what was my reaction? Um, Do you remember? No. <laughs> well, I I was saying about how how pissed off how pissed off it made me because this whole movie's message is about unity and everybody about coming together and we're oh. all the same and blah blah yeah. blah and then by the end he's like oh you know we could we're all one tribe and that's the message of the movie that's the mo- message this movie sends you out on coming out in this time where everybody's as divided as yeah. possible in this world but also specifically in this country. And here's this outsider for, for for Americans coming into the global stage and saying, hey, I have, I want to help. We let's, let's work together to make this world a better place to say it to, for every, for everybody's, you know, mutual well-being. And that's the message that they send you out of the theater with, minus the post credit scene. Um, so, so the fact that people were perverting and twisting that and be like, no, but black people are bad. Look at this fake bullshit we're making up. That pissed me off because it's, yeah, it's, it's such very a, upsetting. it's such a, it's like same thing with Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman's whole message about that movie is her superpower in the end is love. It's compassion for other people and for people to turn that around and be like guys being pissed off. Like, I want to go to this. Why can't, why are you having women only screenings? I'm like, is this, an, they don't understand this is an important movie for people. For women, in the case of Wonder Woman, or for black people, in the case of Black Panther. That doesn't mean other people like us, like us white people, can't enjoy it or relate to it or empathize with those stories. Because ultimately it's just a human story more than anything else. But the fact that those movies are pushing such positive messages and not like sadistic bullshit. Like, I like Batman v Superman alright. It doesn't execute the theme that it's trying to get to as well as Civil War does. But ultimately, that's a movie about, like, I'm pissed. I'm pissed. Let's fight. That's true. <laughs> it's like there's not really much macho, of a message in there. Macho bullshit. I mean, until the end where he's like, whoa, I, I, this guy I just met, I, I was wrong about him. 
I'm now I'm too late. I fucked up. Oh well. Because it's yeah. Batman's arc, I guess. Yeah. But these movies are very powerful. And these, these are Wonder Woman and Black Panther. I feel really uh, proud to be a parent right now. And to have, you know, these are going to be the superhero movies that our, our child's going to grow up with. And children of her generation are going to grow up watching Black Panther and Wonder Woman. And a lot of these other movies that are more positive messaging. Um, as opposed to, oh, he killed the bad guy. Yay. You know what I mean? Even the, ba- even the death of the villain in this movie is very melancholic and very, uh, you know powerful and reflective about the black experience about the struggle and about um you know while like you said while that's not something we personally relate to the the black experience obviously it's it's you know we know we're aware of the world around us and we know what people like that have gone through and the fact that it's the the movie's making such a articulate point about that it's really powerful and the, the ending with killmonger's death spoilers is uh, <laughs> is really is really powerful as opposed to like you know you had a really good line yeah about uh, bury me in the, bury me in the ocean like my ancestors because even they knew that death was better than bondage talking about people jumping off slave ships that kind of thing it's really it's really impactful and I there were several times seeing this movie with you a second time I wasn't a, I didn't when I watch movies for the first time sometimes it's easy for me to get all in my head and be like all right I'm gonna watch this as a critic. What rating are we at now? And not really give myself over to the emotional experience of watching it. And I think that's part of why some of the Oscar movies, the best picture movies, I'm like, okay, yeah, I liked, you know, Lady Bird or whatever. And it's hard for me to, because I need to see it a second time to let it really like, wash over me in a way. So seeing with this with you a second time, there was probably half a dozen times where I was getting all emotional because of, of something, the way a performance was going, a performance moment or a theme or so it's like the, the music or just like pretty much everything with the ancestral plane was, was amazing. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So this it was a very powerful experience for me seeing this movie, and that's why I put it at my number one for as far as, far as the MCU is concerned. Maybe not the best comic book movie of all time, but of the eighteen, and that's for, out of eighteen, that's pretty hard to to top Avengers and some of the other ones. This is definitely my number one. And if you guys are curious about um, Rob's breaking, um, you can actually go to his Letterbox account that's to right. check out his his. Uh, Top, crooked, top Marvel if you movies. Go to crooked, and some other lists, too. If you go to crookedtable.com slash, what is it, contact or something, I think, uh, you can definitely see all the ways to connect with me and my social media. And I'm pretty sure I do have my Letterboxd account on there. And in case uh, you guys are curious, I'm on Letterboxd, yes, too, I but I don't there make I lists. So you'll see the, uh, if you go to crookedtable.com slash contact, you'll see under the social media for like Twitter and Instagram and stuff, you'll see my letterbox. And if you just click that, it'll take you to my profile. And uh, it's really fun. You can go on there and rate movies. Or if you're weird like Kai, you're like, I watched this today. I need a diary of yeah, every right. time I watch a movie. I need to record it. Well, it's not just that, but Rob and I, uh, we make choices. Every, um, so every other choice. We, we alternate who we picks alternate, the movie yeah. that we watch. So, yeah. um, so Rob would be like, oh, uh, whose choice is? I'm like, let me check my letterbox. Otherwise, like, oh, it's mine. Well, because I'm, I, I am obviously way more into movies than Kaya. So uh, if, if we didn't do that, it would just be my choice. <laughs> and that wouldn't be fair to you. Um, what did you pick recently? I forgot what the last oh, one we me watched Me before was. you. Oh. Uh, before, uh, wait. Before we go. Before we go. Yeah, me before oh. you, I've heard not. Oh, that's not the one. Good. Oh, that's right. That's, that's Amelia Clark, Clark or whatever, yeah. No, before we go it was okay. It was fine. Which, Chris by Evans, the way, that does have the, an Avenger in it. Yeah, Chris Evans directed and stars in it. That and might be why I wanted to see it. Yeah. Oh, that's totally why you wanted to see it. Okay. That's okay. I understand. Um, so I guess going into this, I guess should we just talk about our top five MCU movies real fast? Are you ready? Okay. All right. So my number five is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. I have a whole Crooked Table podcast episode about why I like that. My number four. Will you have your number five? I want you to first. Okay. My number four is Captain America: Civil War. 
My number three is Captain America the Winter Soldier. My number two is The Avengers. My number one is Black Panther. Very nice. By, which, which I spent like 10, 15, 10 minutes talking about like on a deep on the deeper level why uh, why it edges out the Avengers for me. And this is very important to Rob that he actually has asked me about this, like my ranking, like the last Well, because I knew because I know you if I don't nag you, you're not gonna think about it. That's true. Okay. So for me it, do you know the order or do you just I'm gonna to... say number five Thor Thor Ragnarok. Um number number four <laughs> you were gonna go number six <laughs> okay, wrong direction uh, number four let's go with um i don't know. iron man three because i thought it was really fun i like I iron liked, man three iron man three was it's just a little fun. on the lower side for me but that doesn't mean i don't like it and i thought with the whole idea with manchurian was was that his name no mandarin mandarin manchurian candidate <laughs> yeah, is actually that's probably why a I'm... movie but he calls winter soldier that yeah that's I, well that, there there you go that's bringing me into some some of my okay, list. Number, number three um, number three would be um, let's Captain America: Winter Soldier. Uh-huh. Number two, Captain America: Civil War, and number one, Avengers. So where is Black Panther then? Is it like six? I say um, yeah, I say Black Panther would be yep six. And, and who knows? It well, might, you gave it, it four, might run out. You might it, it might trump Thor Ragnarok. You gave it four point five. So that means That's all true. those other movies might must be a four point five. Well, if I make higher. a list, I have to then decide where they land because, of course, if something's higher, a score right. higher, but then I like the right. other. I one think better. you should make your own version of the Marvel Cinematic List. But I don't want to. I, I have my diary. I guess, but you have. Don't you like ranking things? I tell you what, if the people of the podcast world want me to do a ranking, I'll do it. Yeah. What is it at the Vault Key LLC? Yes. On, tw- on Twitter. Yeah. There you go. People will nag you now. <laughs> there you go. Maybe just me. I'll be like, hey. <laughs> I'll just set up multiple new fake Twitter accounts and be like, hi, I listen to Crooked Table Podcast <laughs> and I want to see your ranking. You know, or I could just do it myself. I could go on Twitter and then create a poll and be like, who wants me to start a Marvel ranking on Letterboxd? There you go. I'll retweet it to my like, like uh, 1,200, 1,300 followers, whatever I have. Um, yeah. So, okay. So that's our rankings on that. So going into the movie, normally when we talk about, when I review movies, I've done the hype, which I guess we sort of covered. The hype, the uh, the story. So what did we think as far as the story here? The story here is basically the whole movie hinges on a secret from T'Challa's past with his father and the cousin that he never knew he had. What did you think about the way that that was established as far as bringing in Ulysses Claw from Age of Ultron, as far as bringing in um, Everett Ross from Civil War, and uh, you know the way that that plays out, the way that he's challenged... Uh, for the throne and Killmonger sort of emergence in Wakanda, I would say, what is that? About maybe two thirds into the movie when he shows up with Claw's body or something? Like the last, like the, uh, um, after like the first hour, I think that happened. So like half two, uh, like the second half maybe? Yeah. I think okay. at that point you came to sit down after being in the lobby. Maybe. Yeah, maybe something like that. So what did you think about the way that the story was executed and everything? Like, um, I think it was good. I mean, Obviously, you know, watching the beginning of the film, I did not know what to expect with with that scene. I was even thinking about it. I'm like, why was that even there? Because it jumped right to, uh, you know, Black Panther being crowned king. Right. Which, that was a very interesting scene. Like, you know, that they... The challenge thing? Yeah. And they, they kind of, like, wash all the water away so they can step on the mountains. And, you know, and that's that was some intense, some intense um, action going on there. Because people were bleeding and... You know. Well, the challenge was uh, him and you're talking about him and Mbaku, right? Yeah, and then of course the one with Killmonger, Killmonger yeah, was yeah, yeah. pretty intense too. And 
That's why it's surprising that these movies are PG-13. Well, and it was interesting, too, because this movie is, as, as, as I established, I didn't know this term beforehand, but Afrofuturist. And the way that it... The way that it starts is interesting because it's you know you think in all oh okay it's an it's a black action movie whatever and it starts out like um, like a, an African American thriller from like the nineties like Dead Presidents or Sugar uh, was it Sugar Hill or whatever um, or one of those you know Boys in the Hood Boys in the Hood and it was, yeah but there's another one there's the this one with uh, Wesley Snipes huh, Menace to Society when it sounds like it's, it's like Juice it's like that like. For lack of a better term, the quote hood movies, I guess, of like gangsters in like California or New York or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you know dealing with drugs or running guns or whatever they're doing. It starts like that, where they're like wearing leather and they're checking for the cops and they're like like dealing arms or something, and uh, and then it, like all of a sudden you're like, nope, nope, that's we're gonna dig past that into a much more expansive, uh, more thematically rich, I think, in, in a lot of ways version of the black experience in their story you know what i mean and i thought that was uh that was really a smart way to start start off and sort of throw you off balance from the beginning like you were saying you were you saw that one opening scene and you're like wait what the hell's happening now what's going on what is this why why they must have he must have not trusted his brother in the first place to have sent another spy out yeah. in the same place. Yeah, I, I agree. And like hunt him down to make Keep sure an eye on him, yeah. Yeah, that's not good that he didn't even trust his own brother. Well, maybe he had reason not to trust his own brother. Then why would he send him out as a spy? I don't, hey, I don't know. That's a different movie. That's Black Panther prequel. I don't, because I just thought about that. I just, it's like if he didn't trust him to be a spy, then he maybe should have gotten to stay in Wakanda right. with everybody and maybe he wouldn't be dead. Maybe. We wouldn't have Killmonger before, walk up there. But before that, we get the voiceover of a little boy talking to his dad, being like, Dad, tell me the story about... Which, which you still don't know who that which is. Which I think it's Killmonger. Yeah. I think it's Killmonger is the one asking his dad. I don't know if it even... Yes, yeah, even on the Wikipedia page, they don't explain who that is voiceover. Well, was the voice of the kid, was it Amer- like American accent? Yeah, I think so. Okay, it was like, maybe it was. Dad, fun. where are we from? Blah, blah, blah. And then you find out later on that Killmonger found the books, uh, the ring and all that as a kid. And um, that's how he learned about Wakanda, and that explains where he knows where it is, how he knows where where, how he knows how to get there, and uh, how he could speak it and things like that. But how come he could, How come uh, it was imprinted on him, on his lip? Like because it's that's a genetic thing. Oh, I think. That, oh, because I thought it was there. a genetic thing. Oh, that's the way I saw it. Oh, I thought it was like being imprinted basically from their born. Right, because he wasn't born in Wakanda. Never been in Wakanda until then. Yeah. So I guess it would have been genetic because yeah, he had never been there. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, so Some before, things have to be explained. I, I guess. But, yeah, but, yeah, I don't know. Um, so they have the whole backstory of the five tribes where it's like, it almost looked like, it looked like metal. It looked like um, those things that you had as a kid, the, the pins where you put your hand in it. It looked like that was what the hand. Yeah, that was like. cool. Like it looked like the, the, the animatic or what, uh, what have you of the Wakandan backstory looked like, it was almost made of vibranium. You know what I mean? It looked like this kind of technology Shuri, and we'll get to her in a minute, Shuri was used to tell the story of, of that in a way. And that was, so that was really cool. So right from the beginning, I was like, that, that's the weird thing. A lot of the stuff in here is so supernatural and, and fantastical in a way. And sometimes that's hard to land where like where you're watching it and you're like, okay, this sounds like made up bullshit, which it is. But for some reason I was like, oh, heart-shaped herb. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, no, the it, five it was tribes. It was a meteorite. Like it's totally like it's, it's a, still a grounded, even from, if it's fantastical. A meteorite from space landed here, and now we all take this herb to get powers and all this shit. It's not like, like Thor: The Dark World, <clears throat> where it has 
Yeah, red. Like the this world red wasn't glowy thing. Enough. Yeah, it wasn't oh, created God. enough. That's in my letterbox. I had that like I think second to last. <laughs> yeah, it's between that and Iron Man two for the weakest. So that's like the other end of the spectrum. Uh, but even that was was had had me all, all had me on board. So then you get to uh, him coming back from uh, from I guess catching Zemo and dropping tur- turning him in because as we saw in Civil War, he doesn't he stops him from committing suicide and turns him in. So then we get to all the the challenge and all that. So I was really I thought it was really I mean you could say that it was sort of um, sort of cliche for him to win the first challenge and then lose the second and then he like quote dies and then like oh but he's not really because that happens a lot in these movies Thor was like well of course you're dead, also not, gonna, not really plus you're also not gonna kill the right 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 but to, to do that fake out is that kind of yeah. you, did you see that as a cop out or you're like eh, it's a little cliche but it works. No, what's it? But also, Killmonger's scary. Yeah, Killmonger. For him to die scary. from the hands of Killmonger, uh, yeah, I totally believe that because he was he was intense. What did you did? How did you feel about the whole like little what a lot of people are calling sort of the James Bond sequence where they go to South Korea and they're wearing cool suits and they're like undercover, and then they have like this crazy showdown with Ulysses Claw that's kind of spins out into a car chase. Oh, that was fun! Oh, I like that. Was so much fun! Yeah, I, love it I think so much. that it was a good way to see Black Panther in action, and you know, with the suit and stuff. And yeah. I, I, do. I do think, and I've heard this, I saw this uh, criticism elsewhere, and I was even thinking when I saw the movie the first time, and you probably agree, that first action sequence, um, when they're going to get Nakia in uh, Nigeria, she's uh-huh. like doing a you, you know mission there. I didn't even know where she was. I don't know. Yeah, they, they, said it, they said it real fast. They like put it on the screen in Wakandan language and then translating it. Oh, yeah, that that's was cool right. Too. There's yeah. so much cool stuff happening. Uh, um. I, that, I did think that that action sequence where he throws the little balls onto the, the trucks and it like it's EMP basically. I did feel like that was way darker than it should have been. Like it's hard to see what the hell's going on. Did you feel like that a little bit too? Because it's like somebody somebody turned the brightness up on the screen a little bit. Because it's nice and he's in a black outfit and I, it's like it's hard, it was hard to make out a little bit. Plus I just, I think it's possible that that scene wasn't needed. Like they could have. Well, they wanted ex- to. They could have given more, given more exposition of what her yeah, but her mission was. I think her, that's more going on a mission. Yeah, but I think that it's an it's an easier it's an it's a less clunky way of establishing because that scene teaches you a lot. One, he, this is what time period we're in. He just we saw he's watching the news and he saw about his father passed away and he's going home. Whatever. You you meet Okuyi Okoyi. How do you say that? Okoyi, I think. The, the Nigerera character. I, it's hard to... I'm trying to make sure I'm pronouncing these better. And then uh, you meet about... You, you introduce her. You introduce Nakia. You introduce how badass he is in the Black Panther suit. You introduce the technology that leads you to Shuri in the lab. So it's like... It's, it's basically fitting an exposition in a better way than... Oh, I gotta... Let's talk about Nakia. I hope she shows up at my coronation. That ex that I still kind of have feelings for. Blah, yeah, blah, blah. I guess so. so I guess I just was... I was just and it's, and it's It's a little bit of a shorter... It's much shorter than the South Korean thing, which goes on for a while. But not. I would like that to be the whole movie, honestly. But what was she doing she in was, Nigeria? Uh, it looked like she was trying to... <clears throat> she was trying to free those people. Okay. Because they were captured or kidnapped or whatever. Like, like refugees or something. Yeah. Okay. That's why yeah. she was posing as one of them. And then... And then, you know, they all tell, they tell them that you're free to go, whatever, go get out of here. And Okuyi is like, no, not, you will not speak of this day or you will speak nothing of this day or whatever. Um, I thought that scene was fine as like an introduction. It was, you know, a, basically a taste of what was going on. Um, but I then, then through that, throughout that, they interweave the Killmonger thing in the art museum, which I thought was a cool scene. Yeah, that was cool. And we just take it. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to take it off your hands. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, God. Man, I love this guy. 
And you, from that scene alone, <clears throat> you could tell he was going to be the villain. I mean, not, yeah, yeah, like yeah. it was already not clear I mean, from the trailer. Yeah, but. you only saw the first teaser trailer. You didn't see the full trailer no, until after the movie. good I didn't. They give away yeah. a... Yeah, because you see him in the Black Panther suit and everything in the in the, in the the real trailer, the full trailer. So I'm, I, I had sort of saw images of it, but I didn't really watch. Because if I know I'm going to see a movie like Mission Impossible, Fallout, which I'm like, hyped about, I didn't seek that trailer out. We saw it because it just happened to play before the movie. But I, I try not to learn too much about that. So, uh, so Killmonger kills uh, Claw, which was a bummer. Yeah, but I think Andy Serkis is also has a lot. I'm of jumping other, around here so we can get through. A has lot a lot of, of other projects going on, and he probably didn't want to be in, like in the Marvel franchise much longer. I mean, he's in Star Wars. Not anymore. Spoilers. Well, he was. He was in Star Wars. <laughs> if they ever do anything Hobbity, they can have Gollum come back. But I think we're done with that franchise now. <laughs> yeah. And he's doing he's doing World of Planet of the Apes. I mean, or he's a Planet of the Apes franchise. So he's just he's doing a lot of stuff. Right. Go good yeah, for him. That's true. And he didn't have to be motion captured in this movie. I know he was so much fun actually. Yeah. But we're gonna do the cast in a second. So story wise, I thought it had a nice balance of what was going on in Wakanda. A lot of character moments between T'Challa and Forrest Whitaker, and and it felt like the story more than any Marvel movie really since Iron Man. Honestly, it felt like the story had room to breathe. It's like you let characters have their moment, have their emotions understand what the relationship establish the dynamics between things but delicately weaving in exposition like you know Shuri is his like his cue for um as far as James Bond again with the technology but then you also use that scene to establish the relationship between the brother and the sister all that stuff I thought was really well done um uh even the fact that ultimately it's another Marvel hero fighting a villain that has the same powers and the same kind of technology like Iron Man, like Thor, like a lot of these movies tend to be. Even that didn't bother me because they were also vying for the same position of being the king and being Black Panther. So it made sense that he, like, T'Challa had it, lost it, and then Killmonger got it, and now he's at to sort of fight to get it back, to, to like, win prominence, sort of. I thought that actually worked for me in this movie Plus, more than in the other Plus, that's ones. also, that's kind of, like, that's... It, it, it made sense to me to, like, have them have two Black Panthers because in the wild... There's two cats. That's true. They're vying for the. Well, you compared. You compared. You said at some point like oh, this <laughs> reminds me of Lion King a little bit, and I'm like, well, that's sort of like watching the Lion King and being like, mm, I like this, but I don't like that it's a lion fighting another lion. I'm like, well, the king is a lion, so it makes sense that a lion would be challenged by another lion and have to rise up against that lion to, to be like, I'm the king lion. Right. So it's exactly. like that. So it didn't feel as repetitive as like. Oh, Tony Stark's fighting somebody in his metal suit. Who's he, who is he fighting? A dude in a metal suit. I'm like, oh, okay. Who's he fighting this time? Another dude with the same kind of technology. I'm like, okay, Jesus Christ. Who's he, you know what I mean? Right. So it was more. I think it was more symbolic. Right. In that way, that yeah, he's gonna. There's gonna be two Black Panthers. Right. Two Black Panthers are gonna have to fight to be the king of the pride. Right. And I liked what they did with Mbaku and his sort of thing. There was a lot of real character moments in here. So that nice transition. We just doing like a. We just did like a highlights of the. Of the story, I guess. So going into the cast, you already said uh, Chadwick Boseman's really great in this. Um, he is. And he feels like the, he gives the kind of performance and makes this character someone that I wasn't really familiar with before Civil War. Makes me, first of all, want to read some of the comics. And secondly, makes me want to see much more of this guy on screen in a way that like Christian Bale's Batman was like really uh, impactful. And you so you feel like this is a character and a hero that you want to get behind. I felt like that for Chadwick Boseman in here. And he has a lot of really powerful emotional moments throughout that he's more than just like he like you said more than just the stoic uh you know revenge seeker that he was in um in civil war and you already talked about you seem like you're really 
into Michael B. Jordan's performance here because you mentioned it, but we only saw this movie like two days ago and you're like, he's just so angry. I'm like, yeah, I know. Well, um, they so called him out on that too. He's like, you're, he's like, you're so full of hate. And, and, and the thing is, is we were talking earlier on the podcast about how he wants to rise up against, have them rise up against his oppressors. But the reality was he was also had so much hate and anger in his heart that he was even rising up against his own people being like, oh, don't you Burn say it that. all. Yeah, don't say that to me again. I'm king. And like, oh, that was, and it's like, if you didn't, if the, uh, yeah, what's um, Daniel Kula's character's name? Daniel Kula is, is uh, oh man. Um, well, anyway, if he didn't Wakabi. go. Wakabi. Wakabi. If he didn't I, yeah, go. I'm sure I got it right. If he didn't go in with him, then, then, he, then Killmonger would kill him. Like, so it's like Killmonger was, I feel like, more acting also in a state of selfishness than really wanting to, 100% wanting to. Well, but it's also, it's also he's coming from his, well, he's coming from his experience. And his experience is you have to be this way. You have to be hard. You have to be, you have to fight for. But it's also oppressing his yours own people or whatever. Yeah. fear. Yeah, because he felt like he was taking, he was taking, basically taking the mantle of his father's mission. His father was smuggling vibranium out there in the, in the same way to get it out to the people and that kind of thing. But, sort of. His, but his father didn't seem like he had not like hate this, in his heart. not like this. Yeah, and, and you can see when he goes to the ancestral plane, which we, we'll get that in a second. We're going to do production next. Um, I felt like you you could see his father sort of trying to reach out to him and him when he was reacting like, oh, maybe they're the ones that lost. Maybe we need to, you know, maybe we need to like kind of stand our ground and you can see his father like rolls a tear like he's realizing what his son has turned into sort of in a way you know what i mean mm -hmm. and, and it was very subtle it was very subtle well i mean it was also the, the, the essential well the ancestral plane to me is like that scene is like part flashback part visiting a ghost you know what i mean yeah and so i felt like in in a way that we were replaying something that really happened when he was a boy but also both parties were aware that it was not it wasn't that it wasn't happening in real time it was like an otherworldly encounter in a way so i could see that that was he was sort of realizing what his son because then you go from little killmonger to grown-up killmonger in that scene mm -hmm. and i guess maybe he got hardened after he was after his dad got killed unintentionally abandoned right well intentionally abandoned by t'chaka well yeah but not by his father right no not by his father so it's it's interesting. Like you can almost root for him in this movie because he he his mission is like you understand where he's coming from. Sort of like Loki, which is why I'd say that he's probably the best villain since Loki. And Loki's not even really a villain anymore. He's teaming up with Thor now, and and well we'll see. He hands over the the tesseract to Thanos, so we don't know if he's like here we go, our plan worked perfectly, or if he's like oh fuck, I hate you, I want to save the Asgardian people. Um, but you mentioned Daniel Kaluuya, and that I thought he was good in this too, and I, a lot of reports are that. Uh, Okuya's uh, lesbian relationship was excised and Daniel Kaluuya's part was was elevated and so they made those two characters in a relationship. Um, a lot of the criticisms that I've heard, one of the main things that they've said about this movie, some of the critics that I've, I've listened to the podcast and stuff, is that his characters like Turn didn't feel well enough established. Did you feel that? Like when he's like all of a sudden, oh, my best friend, we could go and we could win together. And all of a sudden he's like, no, get that, get T'Challa. Did, did that feel earned to you or did it feel like they'd like jumped too far and it didn't really make sense for that character? Um, No, I think it made sense. So did I. Yeah, yeah because they were talking about it in the end of the movie when, when uh, T'Challa was bringing up what? Nakia, Nakia, yeah. Nakia said about them trying to help out the um, help out the rest of the world and still maintain Wakanda, and and it's and in I think I think what wait, what are you looking name? for? 
Akoi, Koi, he, I think he even mentioned that he... Oh, that's, said, no, that's uh, Danai Guerrero. You're talking oh, about Wakabi. Oh, Wakabi, gosh. gosh. I know. They're, Sorry, they're, guys, I'm trying to keep these names yeah, straight. Yeah, and they're very, they're very specific, detailed African names, and we don't want to sound like idiots. Right. And I even have a hard name to pronounce. Do you think I'd be... Before? Well, everybody calls you Kia or K. Or yeah, something. exactly. Like, it's three or letters. Kaya. Come on now. Yeah. And, um, it did, and didn't he say something in the movie like... Why shouldn't we do something like that? Yeah. So What's he was, he was trying to reason with, with T'Challa yeah, in and, the beginning. But and then, in the beginning, he's like, oh, you're going to go get... And then he's like, oh, you're going to go get Claw. My parents have tried... Bring him back here. Yeah, and like they killed my parents. Him, so, yeah. yeah, and then he let him down. Well, because they've been trying to... T'Chaka was trying to get yeah. Claw for 30 years, apparently. And, and then he's like, and now Killmonger got him. I have no other options. So. And so then I guess um, Okoye... Oh, wait. No, Wakabi. Wakabi um, felt more a, a closeness with... Killmonger than he did with T'Challa at that point because T'Challa wasn't him down. really wasn't yeah exactly plus as you pointed out Killmonger's scary so even if Wakabi wanted to uprise against him how's that gonna work <laughs> you know that's not gonna if go well if you kill Black well, Panther T'Challa then it is, it, yeah. um, so he was good in this Daniel Kaluuya obviously he's much better in Get Out because he has a much more substantive part in that but I thought he was fun uh, we already talked about Andy Serkis and he's basically like T'Challa's Joker here, making it rain and singing uh, Hathaway at one point, which was really funny. Um, but, and Martin Freeman was, was good. Martin Freeman's usually pretty good. And I, I like that character. And we, he already, he's already confirmed that we're going to see more of him in the future. I don't know where exactly. It's just so weird because he, was in, he showed up in Civil War. For like, like two all, minutes. He's yeah, very all little. of a sudden. Right um, even though he's not related to General Ross. No. But so hey, I don't know. It's a comic book. Whatever. What the names are in the comic book. Um, now they just need Ross Geller. Winston Duke was great as M'Baku. Oh, yeah. And that's one of the biggest laughs. We'll yeah. feed you to my children. Yeah. I'm just kidding. We are vegetarians. Or are you that done? Was great. Yeah. Are, are you, you done? done? Like, seriously, are you done? Yeah, he was great in that. And Angela Bassett is Angela. Well, Angela. here's some trivia for you. Oh, Peter well, Nyango and Winston actually. Duke actually went to Yale together. And I think they were roommates. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. He's cool. He seems like a nice, like a, a good, like a good actor. I don't know. I'm not super familiar with him, but I like to see him in more stuff. And then Forrest Whitaker was much better in here than he was in Rogue One. He was actually really shitty in Rogue One, in my opinion, but I also don't really like that movie. You can listen to Crooked Table podcast episode about that. Or maybe Forrest Whitaker's just like, I want to be in a Star Wars movie. But like, even that's what I'm saying. We're in a, this is a Marvel movie where they're usually like, go, 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 setting up other movies. There were very few references to the other films in this until the post credit scene with, spoilers, Bucky showing up. With his one arm thing, and there was a very subtle reference. I wonder if he's to gonna him. get. I wonder if he's gonna get claws arm. Oh, he'll That's probably a cool he'll, arm. He'll man. probably get a vibranium arm. I think we, you might even see it in the Infinity War trailer. What was the other arm he had before? It was just metal. It was like I guess. Yeah. If it was I, vibranium, Iron Man would have a hard time blowing it off. Let me That's let me tell true. you. Um, but uh, there's you know there's very little as far as there's no Infinity Stones in this. There's no Thanos. There's no like cameos by anybody that's like not directly involved in the story. Um, and that scene with Forrest Whitaker talking to him and with the flashback of how T'Chaka killed his own brother and he's like, You're, you killed his own brother to save my life. Like, that was really, like, there was a lot of, emo- it was a very emotional movie considering that this is from the same people that made Ant-Man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, and I loved all, you know me, I'm emotionally driven. You can listen to my How I Rate Movies. I feel like I'm really promoting everything, but it's, it's relevant. So, uh, the How I Rate Movies episode of the Cookie Table Podcast from, a, uh, you know, a few episodes ago. But let's break it down. I've saved this specifically. The best thing about this movie, as far as performance-wise, is the ladies. Lupita Nyong'o is, I kind of have a crush on now. Oh, after, you had a crush on her. After this movie the and, uh, you know, Star Wars and, and I still need to see Queen of Cotway. It's on Netflix and I've heard it's really good. It's like the only movie that she is really like the sole lead of. Um, and so I, I need to watch that. Denai Guerrero as Okuyi was great. 
so powerful that moment where well the more moment in the club where she throws the wig at the guy and then she like stops the car with the spear and oh that was so great and then Lupita Nyong'o's like rolling up just holding the steering wheel that was a huge laugh from people so much fun and then later on with Daniel Kaluuya when he's like would you kill me my love and she's like for Wakanda and holds a spear to him he's like without question and I get I don't know I get chills from that even from that moment and it's not even like a badass car chase or like somebody saying my, my daddy died killing my whatever um uh, so she was great. Uh, Angela Bassett is, of course, great in everything. She's Angela Bassett. She's usually pretty great and stuff. And she has a kind of a more limited role here than the other ones, but she does have more substance as they go to Jabari land later on. And, and um, you know, it feels like the Wakandan version of Rene Russo in Asgard. So hopefully they don't kill Angela Bassett in the sequel because I like her and as this character as Ramonda. Uh, Ramonda. Sorry, I don't know if that's... And, but but I think the big takeaway for both of us in this movie, we were like, holy shit, who is Letitia Wright? Yeah. Because she steals every scene she's in. She's just like teasing her brother constantly. So she's got a sense of humor. She's apparently, from what I've heard in some of the press for this movie, the smartest person in the world. One of the one of the directors called her. And smartest person in the world in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, obviously. More than Tony Stark or any of the other... You know, Bruce Banner. Or and any those of them. two come together as heroes. Well, and it's gonna be. I don't know if we. I don't know if we know about Iron Man. If Iron Man goes to Wakanda in Infinity War, because I don't. There's no footage of that. But I would think that Shuri would show up in Infinity War. She is gonna be in Infinity okay, War, then. but but Wakanda is gonna be. I, but there's gonna be there's some scene set on Wakanda, so I don't know if when it comes down to facing Thanos, if everybody like, Wakanda people are all gonna get on a ship and go over there. Well, my dad, who I just talked to today about the movie, he seems to think <clears> that the, the the other Infinity Stone is in. Wakanda. Yeah, that's, it's vibranium that, itself. That's a big theory. I think that's a big theory. Because um, I, I guess it makes sense. It's vibranium itself. I think itself. the, the color doesn't match up with what the soul stone would be in the color. But they, uh, I've, I read something recently that reminded me that the uh, the Tesseract, the not Tesseract, the Lothing and Loki spear, when they cracked it open, it opened up and it was yellow inside. And that's what's in Vision's head. Uh-huh. So maybe people are thinking maybe inside the meteorite it's the, the right color for the to correspond. And plus with vibranium, it's it is from space. Right. So it would make sense. Right. To be no, that would make total sense, and that would also explain why Thanos is in Wakanda to get that, and where but why Captain America and Bucky and Black Panther and like a few of the other people like you see in the trailer for Infinity War are ready to rise up. They're being attacked by Thanos and or his henchmen. Um, because based on what we see in the trailer for Infinity War, it looks like a lot of it's sitting. We got a lot of scenes in Wakanda. We get a lot of scenes in New York because Spider-Man's on the bus looking at the thing. Doctor Strange is with Tony Stark and shit. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all pans out. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. Uh, yeah. And then you have... So basically, it looks like it's going to be Wakanda, New York, and then space because the Guardians and, and meet up with Thor at some point. Um, so it'll be... Uh, yeah, I'm excited, obviously. How is Thanos going to stand a chance against all these guys? Like, yeah, 60-something characters or whatever they Yeah, they all have their own special powers. Seriously. Uh, but Letitia Wright was so great in this movie. She was so funny and smart and, and charming and... Um, the way... Like, the little things where he's like, oh, I'm going to take Nakia on this mission. And she's like... Oh, and he's like, oh, and we'll, we'll, you'll be on call for backup. And she's like, yes. And she gets all excited when she gets called up to go in the little remote thing. And she runs over the guy. Yeah, and, what great technology she, that is. That's what that we That was need. so great. And she runs over the guy and he's like, uh, she's like, what was that? And he's like, nothing. Don't worry about it. You're doing great. <laughs> all that was. And then, of course, they, that plays back in later with um, Everett Ross flying the plane because he was an Air Force pilot. It was like, this was one of those movies. And honestly, I gave it a 4.5. But like, if I'm question, trying to think of something I didn't like about it. I'm having a really hard time. 
Like, it might, I might end up bumping it up to a five at some point. Like, even the criticisms that I'm hearing from people, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It didn't bother me. I didn't see that. You know? It's really weird because this is not like a Batman or, or something or a team-up movie. This is a new character that I'm only really now learning about. And for it to hit me that hard, it did not. I did not expect that. But so the ladies were the best thing, best, uh, the best part of this movie, like the freshest part, the discovery part. We knew Chadwick Boseman. We've seen him in a lot of these characters in other movies and stuff like that. So we knew, oh, Andy Serkis. Uh, but we went in and he's like, Denai Guerrero, who I know is on Walking Dead, but I haven't seen that show, so I don't know what she. I'm not familiar with. Well, her let me ask you this there. though: when that character, or one of the right? one of the soldiers, one of the female soldiers, um, showed up in Civil War and was like, "Move or be moved." Didn't you want to know more? Like, who, well, who are these people? Yeah, yeah. The Dora Milaje. Like they kind of look like they're just female cool bodyguards, name. sort of. And then you uh, you learn more about it in Black. Yeah, Black. they're like they're the uh, MCU version of the Themyscira warriors, I guess, in the Amazon. So, uh, do we want to talk about production? Do we have anything to say about the production? I guess, Costa, like, this movie is not nominated for Oscars. There's something fucked up. And it doesn't, I know, I'm not saying that a Marvel movie will get nominated for Best Picture, even though I would be fine with that. Uh, but if this doesn't get, like, nominated for costume design or production design or makeup and hairstyling something, because there's so much detail put into this one, into this, this film. And yes, a lot of the back, backgrounds when they're standing on the waterfall, a lot of that obviously is green screen. And things like that, because I've seen some behind-the-scenes shots and stuff. Um, but like, but even the little things, like when at his coronation, and then everybody is like doing the, you know, the the dancing and stuff, and the camera pans up, and you see like this mountain full of people. And yes, a lot of that's CG or whatever. But How did they like, get up there? All with different costumes and all with different. Well, in that mountain, they might have parts where they can walk out of. The people might live in there. I don't know what's going on. Oh. I don't. We don't see inside. But I thought that it was the clearing of the water. And then that's where they were able to oh, go maybe. up in the mountains. Remember maybe. that? Remember that scene at the beginning of the movie where that uh, that tool that then uh, divide separated the water. Oh, maybe yeah. Because it's a waterfall. Right. So no. yeah, I don't, but no, yeah, that was yeah, that was a really cool scene. Yeah. So just uh, this, so much of the design, like the train, the vibranium like train thing that's that that the final battle takes place on. So much of the design of the. Of the film, the world building, like it just feels like a real place in a way that we saw three movies with Asgard. I still don't feel like Asgard's a real place. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just it felt really super CG and like shiny. And then Dark World had some cool touches, like you saw like their like their funeral tradition, like when they put the bo- the to send it on a boat and it like goes out and then that that was neat. Like there were little touches like that, but this whole movie just felt so lived in and so uh, so much like a labor of love. And the, the design and like the details of, of every little bit of the Wakandan culture that you could tell in a way it was because it's unprecedented for a movie of this scale to have an all black cast and a lot of black crew. You could tell that a lot of them were thinking, all right, this is the industry. We've, the industry has been fucking ignor- uh, um, ignoring us for decades, not really wanting to serve the black audience on this epic scale that we you see every movie and it's all white people on the posters. Um, we need to get this right. We I know. To, I was thinking to, that too. We need to nail this because if we don't do the, if we don't get this right, idiots in Hollywood are going to say, "Oh well, see, nobody wants to see a black superhero." Yes, so we exactly. need to make sure that we nail this, execute this perfectly, visually, you know, performance-wise. The story needs to be tight, you know, because uh, up to now, yeah, you had Blade, which was an anomaly, but other than that, all the all the black superheroes are in terrible movies like Steel with Shaq. Or the Catwoman movie with uh, Halle Berry, 
Or there's just straight up parodies like Blank Man and Meteor Man. Like there's no, you know what I mean? There's no black lead superhero films. And definitely not ones that cost 200 million like this cost. Exactly. And it was really good that Disney, you know, Marvel Studios is backing this movie because it really needed, I think it really needed the support from Disney with that brand name and the money for the campaigning. And this movie is going global. I mean, there's only three countries left that it hasn't been released to, which is just coming global, or Russia, I believe Ukraine, and China. Right. Which might be some of the hardest markets, but... Because of how they, yeah, how they feel about minorities or women. This has got minority, like, the black women in this movie are, like, the best thing about the movie, so... Uh, so that that's cool too because not only is this a huge movie for African Americans, but this is a huge movie for women. African American women, yeah, are like the strongest characters in this movie almost. Like the the badass warriors in it are women, and the smartest woman, smartest person in the, the world yeah. is a woman. So exactly. Like, so and, and it's you know how they always say like oh behind every strong man is a strong woman. And behind this strong black man, there's an army of strong black women. The one that protects him, the sister that gives him the cool technology, the woman that he loves that like nourishes his soul, and his mother. I know. <laughs> so that's so awesome. Well, you look never at see that on Thor Ragnarok kind of did the same similar thing with Valkyrie is all women. Yeah. That fight yeah, you know, that exactly. defend Asgard. Like, it's, it feels it's been like, an amazing year for, it feels like, uh, for women and people of color. Lucasfilm, which is also now Disney owned, obviously, has really made an effort with diversifying their casts. And having, you know, you know, now we have an Asian person in Star Wars, and we have a black person in Star Wars, and we have women leading, like, every Star Wars movie. Um, I think Marvel is finally at that point now where they've built up enough brand... We were talking about this earlier today. Uh, we were talking... They've built up enough brand loyalty and, uh, you know, unprecedented success that even the studio executives that, at Disney are like... All right, I think we can we can we can swing risking two hundred million dollars on a black director, a black which is weird, which is really sad that they see that as such a risk because there's an entire audience out there that never gets movies like this. Um, but they see that they even the like stingiest bean counters in Hollywood are like, well, that that should probably pay off. Now people will go see fucking talking raccoon with a machine gun or a dude is like, I ride ants around. No, it's just also so ridiculous because we have all these white men led films. Right. A lot of which don't even do that well and yet we keep making movies with white white men leading these films. Well, How come could, the thought process is oh guess white man led films. Well you can say that work. you can say that about the directors too. A director, a white man does a mediocre indie film that barely breaks even, and guess what? They get they get Jurassic World or something like that. Uh, a black a black director, a black man director, or a, a woman of any color, has to spend fifteen years trying to get to their next movie made so they can make Wonder Woman. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not right. And I'm hope hopefully Ryan Coogler now. If Disney doesn't, and I said this on Twitter, if Disney doesn't lock him down for sequels, like tomorrow after the box office receipts for this weekend they're idiots if they don't offer him a star wars movie or give him anything he wants to do they're they're idiots because he's a very strong i haven't i still have to catch up with fruitvale station and i think we'll do that together at some point soon um but he already made creed which is an amazing movie and this which is an amazing movie and i've heard fruitvale station is an amazing movie so clearly he's got the talent to do something, to do to continue doing really special projects like this, and I'm hoping that the same will be said of Ava DuVernay when Wrinkle in Time comes yeah. out, which is also Disney, which yeah. is also a black woman. And I stuff. wanted to say that I think yeah, sorry, that, sorry. no, 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 that's I okay. I, just, I actually just thought about. I have this. a lot to say. I actually just thought about this. So I think even though a couple of years ago with the travesty that was happening with the Oscars and that it was Oscars so white, right? Um, you know that was you know that's a horrible thing. Um, that it was only really honoring white people and a lot of white men. 
but that was the turning point because if you've noticed since then it has been like diversity they've made like a, a they more like they made more efforts yeah and it's sure. working you know and it's and that was the silver lining to that incident it was more than just bringing you know more diverse audience to the membership of right. the academy yeah, I was it's also bring that up. Yeah. it's bringing those those also that diversity to our films and right. and uh it's i think it's paying off and i think regal times would do really well as uh, I hope it's that. good. I mean, I, I, Ava DuVernay is a good filmmaker, so, you know, a great cast. We'll see. Uh, Oprah's definitely behind it. But closing up the book on Black Panther, is we have verdict time, I guess. As you guys can tell, I love this movie so much. Like, we just saw it, and I've been listening to the soundtrack and the score, like, on loop to the point that Kai's like, again with this, uh, you're gonna pay for me. you gonna pay for me. I don't know the I mean, words. It is a good song, though. It's me. It is a good song. Uh, all, the, all the stars... All the stars of I don't know the words, obviously. Watch for Rob's karaoke of the Black Panther soundtrack coming your way. Yeah, please don't. don't that's not going to happen. Um, you can see me singing online if you really want to, but I'm not going to sing in that. It's just because I, I would do terribly. Um, so, no, it feels it feels like a it's a, it's a watershed moment for, for Hollywood, for black talent in Hollywood, and I hope that they learn the right lesson from this and that they give more opportunities to black actors, black filmmakers, black crew members. And, uh, you know, I just... And how about just people of color in general? Yeah, like, people of color. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. Of course, people of well, Yeah, but the... Yeah, but... Because we have a Miss America. This one is specifically, specifically African-American. That's why I was mentioning that. Right, I know, that. I know. But yes, everybody. Let's, let's stop. Let's get over this whole bullshit about white people rolling... White men specifically running everything. And let's give women and people of color a chance to do stuff. Because sometimes they're... A lot of times, they're more talented than we are. This is the first movie. This is the first movie in the MCU. This is movie number eighteen, directed by anybody other than a white man, and it's my favorite. It's the best one. So, what does that tell you? Right on. You know, um, so I look forward to rewatching this movie again. I'll probably listen to the soundtrack later as I'm editing this. And this is gonna be the one. Is this gonna be one of the Blu-rays you buy right away? Yeah, it is. Out? Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah. Special edition. Yeah, I'll get the one that has the digital copy or whatever, like Target exclusive or Steelbook, whatever. I'll keep an eye out for what the options are. Um, and I'm going to be hopefully writing an article either for CrookedTable.com or elsewhere uh, ranking the uh, the top 20 superhero movies of the last 20 years because I guess uh, it's, it's funny we're talking about black superheroes this episode because 20 years ago was Blade who was really like, at this point until now the only black led superhero movie that's actually worked really well um, and Blade 2 not, not Blade Trinity um, so of course to sort of commemorate those 20 years since Blade and sort of I feel like Blade was the, the very precursor to the modern age of comic book movies and definitely Marvel having a hit at the box office because every previous Marvel movie before that was shitty Captain America, shitty Punisher, shitty Fantastic Four, fucking Howard the Duck. So um, I'm going to be ranking the top 20 best uh, superhero movies of the last 20 years um, from Blade to Black Panther. And um, keep an eye out for that either on CrookedTable.com or uh, one of the other sites I write You're for. You're going to have some DC superheroes on there right yeah yeah it's a oh, 20 no. best superhero okay because you followed you have bookended it with well two but, Marvel but that well that's the, yeah well that's the 20 years ago was done it's just, it just so happens to be starting with a black marvel superhero and ending with a black marvel superhero but there's going to be in the middle there's a lot of other movies i mean do you really spoilers do you really think dark knight's not going to be on there i mean come on um it's just also marvel's made more movies than dc has and I, marvel's made more 
good movies than DC has. Well, Marvel's made a lot more movies in the last 20 years, but... Yeah, that's what I mean. But, well, that's what I'm saying. But, the last but, 20 is, years. But, well, but DC was doing Batman 89 and everything. Right. Like, well before Marvel right. but had if their I, shit together. But I feel... But before that, Mar DC was making Batman and Superman movies, and that's about it. So I feel like if I open it up to but all like, of I don't that, want to take the risk. Let's be just much, do the white there'll dudes. Be, there'll be too much Batman on the... There'll be like five Batman movies on the list if I do all time. Well, you know yeah, I mean? but I'm you're like, also uh, biased. Yeah, I am. But it's also like DC made nothing but Batman movies and... Superman movies, most of which are not that great. Like, the first one's good, the second one's a mixed bag because it's production issues, and then the sequel, three or four, are terrible. So, uh, keep an eye out for that. I'm excited to see much more of uh, all these actors again. I'm excited to see more of Black Panther in the MCU and Wakanda in general, uh, starting with Infinity War and then hopefully going forward into Black Panther 2 and 3 or whatever uh, whatever shape the Avengers are going to take in. And I'm also looking way more forward to Ryan Coogler's next project, whether it's Black Panther 2 or whatever and they uh, lock him down for. And hopefully I'm looking forward to much more diversity on film, uh, both on camera and behind the scenes. Yeah. Closing I, thoughts? Yeah, I think it was a really good film. Very well done. Um, it felt, yeah, it definitely felt fresh. It didn't feel like the typical Marvel formulaic fare and... Yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next, and I guess Infinity War is next, and yeah. So you gave this a 4.5, you said on Letterboxd, right? I did. Just to cl clarify that. Okay, cool. Yeah, I gave it a 4.5, but as I mentioned, it, I could easily see that uh, see that elevating a little bit in the near future. Um, so, hold on one second, let me bring this here so that's Black Panther. If you saw Black Panther and it's it's estimated to make over two hundred million this weekend, which is insane. Especially, Did it already make two hundred over two hundred million? Well, it's estimated. I mean, it's it's the weekend is we're recording this on Monday, so the holiday weekend ends tonight technically. Oh, right, I'm just saying it didn't already make two hundred twenty-five. Well, I, th I think that's estimating. That's estimates. And that could probably go up or down slightly based on when the final numbers come in because people oh. have to see it today. Like right now, oh. we're recording this at like three something. On Monday night, there's still 7 o'clock showing, 9 o'clock showing. Right, no, I know. I just thought it was already breaking records. It's breaking based on estimates a lot of times. And sometimes those numbers fudge a little bit here and there. So that's all we have for now on the Cricket Table Podcast. You can rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, if you'd be so kind. You can find me, Robert Yanis Jr., on Twitter at Cricket Table. And you can find me, uh, Kai Yanis, at the Key LLC on Twitter. Of course, you can find more podcasts, reviews, and videos. We have a new video on CrookedTable.com. I'm trying to finally get back into that and other movie-related goodies over at CrookedTable.com. Uh, next episode, I'm going to be doing the first of two parts, talking about 20 years. It's interesting because now this is going to be 20 years uh, since I really got into the Oscar season with, the of course, the year Titanic won Best Picture. Um, so I'm going to be going back. There was a couple blind spots that I had for Best Picture winners, so I'm going back and looking at all the Best Picture winners from Titanic to through to Moonlight, and ranking those based on uh, based on personal preference, based on cultural impact, based on how well the movie has aged over the years, that kind of thing. So next week will be the first of two parts, uh, breaking down 20 to 11 of that, and then just before the Oscars, doing the top 10 uh, best 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 Picture winners of the last 20 years. Till then, I've been Rob. And I'm Kai. We'll catch you around the table next week. Roll credits.
This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. Z-R-O-K-E-D. <laughs> <laughs>